Nashville Predators aren't in the postseason this year. So the question is just how close are they towards getting back to being a contender? We'll debate that with a look at the old Stanley Cup checklist from The Athletic and some thoughts on the NHL playoffs so far from yours truly and Anne. Coming up today on the Lockdown Predators podcast. Your Lockdown Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Predators your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast available to you wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. I'm Nick Morgan. I am a writer at Penalty Box Radio and I have a partner in crime. You do. I'm Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at InsideThePreds.com. Also want to mention today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. All right, Ann, Stanley Cup playoffs in a full swing. And, oh boy, uh, did Twitter explode after the, uh, the events of last night? And I can be talking about any one of a number of things, I think, when <laughs> I say true. that sentence, too. Yeah, last night was an insane night. I will say this. I think this first round has been so incredibly exciting, engaging, interesting. So many storylines in so many of the different games. But last night was hockey on steroids. I mean, yeah. so many twists and turns. Um, you had the Tampa Bay Toronto game. Of course, you have Ooh, the, you know, Seattle Colorado kerfuffle and you know overtime game. The Devils tying it up. Like so much is going on in these playoffs. It is so exciting. It almost, but so not quite, makes up for the fact that we aren't watching the Predators. I was just about to say, doesn't it seem like we're able to kind of sit back and enjoy it more now that we're not worried about getting swept or doing something absolutely stupid in round one? Feels like we actually sit back and be like, oh, you know what? Watching hockey is actually kind of fun. (laughs) I know. It's like, this is your hockey angst. It's not my hockey angst. So, you know, it is a little bit more fun to say, you know, my investment is I hope that my bracket turns out all right. Not, you know, how terrible is this team that we cover going to perform? Yeah, less less discourse from our end, that for sure. So, you know, we, we've we've talked about the playoffs in our cold open a little bit, but let's let's actually like dive in to some of these series because it's really fun. Uh, Tampa Bay and Toronto. <laughs> Uh, I, I, there's some symbolism going on here. And a lot of people are pointing out, of course, Toronto overcomes a four to one deficit to win in overtime. That's significant because there is another significant four, one blown lead in Toronto's playoff cannon, uh, ironically 10 years ago this year. Uh, and I think a lot of people are like, Oh, that's, that's the symbolism. Like that's it right there. That's, you know, Toronto exercising all their playoff demons. Yeah, They haven't won the series yet. 
And uh, there, it, it's it's a funny thing. If you go to uh, Down Goes Brown's uh, article on last night's game, it was like Q&A. And it's like, well, yeah, but it's going to be hard to blow a 3-1 lead, right? And his response is, absolutely, please shut up. Please stop <laughs> That's talking. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think there, there's like cautious optimism, but at the same time, I think Maple Leafs fans are like, okay, what excitingly fun way are we going to absolutely crap the bed this time? I don't know. I will say this. I watched that game and I was really surprised, first of all, how quickly and how calmly Toronto got back in that game within like a seven minute span. They're like, and we're going to even this game up. Way to go, Austin Matthews, Yeah, uh, who we may talk about later in the show. I don't know. Yeah. But I really think, and, and I don't want to speak anything over it because hockey is just some sort of weird sports voodoo. But I really wonder if that game is going to be a huge turning point for Toronto because that was the ultimate dig deep, don't get in your head, just do what you need to do. And I think Tampa Bay left the ice absolutely flummoxed. They showed the crowd, the Tampa Bay crowd, and they looked like, just stunned at what had happened. So I, I just, I'm very excited to see both teams' responses when they take the ice against each other again. Because what a game! What a game! Yeah, you know what's funny? When I watched Tampa Bay, they kind of had the look they had in Colorado last year, where they got to like Game Four or Game Five, and you could just tell like they were out of gas. Yeah. Like they were like, they were just getting beat to every puck. A lot of like the speedy players just weren't there. Look like they were a step behind. And, you know, you got to wonder, you know, as long as that team's been around as, as much playoff hockey as they've played, you know, over the last three, four years or so, like is, have we reached kind of the expiration point, but at the other point, this is the Tampa Bay Lightning we're talking about. So let's, Very true. if there is ever a team to climb out of a uh, 3-1 hole, it would be Tampa. Yeah. And It'll be interesting to see how Vasilevsky does too, because I, I'm like you, I'm like, are we kind of seeing fatigue yeah. in net? I, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what happens in this next game. I very interested to see how each team responds. Yeah, and Andre Vasilevsky himself has not had a great series. Yeah, uh, I think that's yeah. worth pointing out too. Uh, let's go to Seattle and Colorado <laughs> because oh boy, are we now we're back in it. Seattle won last night, so it's two two going back to Colorado. But let's talk about that Kale McCarr hit, shall we? Because you just felt the entire temperature of the series. Flip on a dime right there. First off, Anne, uh, suspension worthy, not suspension worthy. What are your thoughts on that Kale McCarr hit itself? Uh, let me be clear. I don't think in any way, shape or form that Kale McCarr is a dirty player. I don't or anything like that. I do think this hit is suspension worthy and he is having a meeting with player safety. That puck was not even in the same time zone. And even if it were, if you watch that play, Kale McCarr is not looking for the puck. You know, he he's going straight for the hit on McCann. And, you know, I would be very surprised if there wasn't a suspension. And I think if there is a suspension, it's going to have a huge impact on this series. So this decision is a big decision for player safety. My thing is, okay, so I heard Kel McCarr's explanation and, uh, you know, a couple of avalanche writers tweeted the same thing. It's like, 
well, you know, he didn't know where the puck was and, you know, he didn't, there was the whistle didn't come till after the play was over. And, you know, that's, that's the right call to, to knock it down to just a minor, you know, if that's let's, let's put it in perspective. If that's, let's say Matt Dumba mm. or Tom Wilson or yes. Nazem Kadri, if that's one of those players who just absolutely takes a run at the other team's best player mm-hmm. well after the puck was gone, while the player was like not even, you know, looking for the puck or had his head the other way. If another player like that does that, are we talking about this in the same vein as if it was somebody other than Kale McCarr? Because Kale McCarr, you know, we hear this and it's like, oh, you know, he plays to the whistle, you know, he's tough, you know, he was just, you know, that. If why would we give him the benefit of the doubt that we wouldn't give, you know, a dirty player? You know, if, if, you know, if Tom Wilson makes that hit on somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. we are, you know, taking our poster boards and, you know, giant cardboard signs outside player safety office, ready to kick this guy out of the league. And and I agree. Kale McCarr, not a dirty player. You know, you don't see him make a lot of dirty plays, but this was a dirty play and you got to send a message. I I think, I think to me, it's going to be one game. Yeah, I Maybe don't think games. they're not they're not going to do the Michael Bunting thing and kick no. Kale McCarr out for three games. But uh, I do think they send a message because yeah. that was out. And, you know, if McCann is hurt, that's 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 a, that's a theory Seattle. shifter right there. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because if the roles were reversed and this was Miko Rantanen or Nathan McKinnon taking a hit like this, I wonder if the temperature among Colorado fans would be a little bit different with the exact same hit, the exact same timing, the exact same situation, mm-hmm. you know, and again, don't think Cam McCarr's a dirty player at all. Um, but that hit is an illegal hit regardless of who does it. Yeah. Dick timing. move. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of the, the way you sum it up is, is Dick move. I mean, there it is. Yeah. But how about Seattle coming out And the environment in that arena was amazing. But Seattle came out and Seattle is playing with such sauciness and physicality and speed. This has been a surprisingly fascinating series for me. Seattle has really knocked my socks off with just the tenacity and the physicality and the speed. Like they don't seem... Like anybody has told them, hey, you're playing one of the teams that is a Western Conference favorite. I don't think Seattle knows that, nor do they care. Well, they're also probably better equipped to handle the Colorado Avalanche than Mm -hmm. the Nashville Predators were last year. Well, there's Um, that. (laughs) You know, it's it's, you're seeing, I think, and, you know, I think I went back and and Seattle beat Colorado two of the three times they played this year. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have that sort of edge, what Colorado did to teams last year. They just have a lot of depth yeah. and, you know, they have guys, you know, on their third or fourth line that j- play just as tenacious and are just as dangerous uh, as though, you know, as those big guns. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, the kryptonite 
of a lot of teams that played Colorado last year. And this year, Seattle is kind of keeping it close in the same way. I still think Colorado wins a series, but this is, you know, a good indication of just how good Seattle is right yeah. now. Um, quick look at a couple other series, Vegas, uh, up three to one now after a win over the Jets last night. Seems like Vegas has this, and I'm so surprised because I really felt like Winnipeg went into the playoffs where they needed to be, mm-hmm. and they're gonna have to do something. They just can't seem to get it going against Vegas, and I don't know that I necessarily think Vegas has looked outrageously good. I no. just think Winnipeg has not brought the game that they can play, so they're gonna have to. They're going to have to get it together. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, the Jets were one of my upset picks and, and they yeah. are letting me down. Come on, Nino. Both, both of us. Both of us had the yeah. Jets winning round one, you know, and they went out that first game and we're like, you know, absolutely killing it. We're like, all right, you know, Winnipeg kind of showing what they're made of. Uh, just kind of not look as sharp the last few games. Uh, and then Devils tying up the Rangers, Anne. I love uh, Surprised at that. Two two back-to-back wins on the road at Madison Square Garden for New yes. Jersey. That's the thing I think that shocks me the most is, is not necessarily that the series is tied. It's that the Devils came in under pressure and won two games at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. That's this is that series is going to be a, a little more interesting than I thought. I still think the Rangers are going to win it, but yeah. Jack Hughes has entered the chat. Oh I my think goodness. That's 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 the biggest difference maker. And yeah. Akira Schmidt in goal, but Jack Hughes has woken up. Yeah. Being like, okay, you want playoff Jack Hughes? <laughs> You're going to get playoff Jack Hughes. Here I am. Here I am. Um, you know what we didn't get this year, Ann? We didn't What's get that? playoff Nashville Predators. As we mentioned, the Preds not <laughs> in the playoffs. David Boyle had some comments about some of the positives he season this team and that got us an a or you know i guess just us that got us thinking how close are the predators towards making another run back towards being contender how close are they we're going to break out the athletic stanley cup checklist and see just what some of the biggest holes the preds need to fill whether that's free agent development whatever we're going to do that today on the locked on predators podcast first though want to mention Today's episode is brought to you by Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, you guys always wish you could just handpick the best stars for your team. Yeah, like, you know, handpick Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and call it a day. That would be a pretty good roster, right? Don't you wish you could do the same thing when you are building your business team? Well, if you're hiring your talent roster, you need Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. That way you don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills. You can do it all with Indeed. (coughs) You can find top talent with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like matching, assessments, and virtual interviews. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers Find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Indeed knows that when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. So visit Indeed.com slash locked on to start hiring now. 
Again, indeed.com slash locked on. One more time, indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everybody. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And we are talking about the Nashville Predators uh, in vain of the Nashville Predators missing the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 2014. Although, let's be honest, they weren't exactly contenders the last couple of years they made it into the postseason. So that kind of got us thinking, just how close are the Predators towards being back in that conversation? We know they have some stars. We know they have UC Saros, one of the best goalies in the NHL to build around. Uh, we know Roman Yossi, although defensively this year wasn't great. Roman Yossi continually in the conversation for one of the best defensemen in the NHL. Top five easily. But what else do they have? What do they need? And so we decided to break out the athletic Stanley Cup contender checklist. Uh, if you haven't seen it, this is something that uh, Dom Lashusen and Shayna uh, Goldman put out every year, basically kind of measuring, okay, there's certain things that every Stanley Cup contender seems to always have. Do this? Does this team kind of meet the requirement? Uh, and quick answer is looking at the Nashville Predators. Uh, that, that answer is no. No. They, they do not have a lot of team things on the checklist. No. But what is interesting is until you sit down and break down the checklist, I think just strict vibes only. Just doing a vibe check. Yeah. Everybody feels really positive, I think, at the end of the season because of what we saw, especially from these younger players that were called up. So, you know, going into this, I'm like, hey, you know, let's see. Just based on vibes alone, everybody's pretty optimistic. But when you break down the X's and O's of this, there are some holes that the Nashville Predators have to fill. And can some of these young players that we got glimpses of step into some of these roles? I don't know. I don't the, know, Nick. The X's and O's quickly become X's and O craps. Goals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, here's the thing. So this is, according to Athletic, these are the 12 things uh, that every Stanley Cup team has. An elite center, an elite winger, an elite defenseman, and an elite goalie. So there's top four players right there. Uh, and then they have top line center, two top line wingers, and a number one defenseman. So these are like guys that, you know, based on your, your top half, these are guys that are maybe playing on your, you know, second line or third line, but they're good enough to be number ones on any other NHL team. And then you have a top six forward, top six forward, and then a top pair defenseman and a top pair defenseman. Again, guys that maybe either on your second or third line that are good enough to be either on your top pair defensively or in the top six. Um, you know, there there is two things, exactly two things that I think you can absolutely no question about, say the Nashville Predators have, mm -hmm. and that's elite defenseman and elite goalie. Agreed. Everything else, that that's where I think some of the debate comes in. Yeah, it feels a little bit like square peg round hole. Can you make this person that we see really into that elite center? And I agree with you. I think when it comes to elite defensemen and elite goaltending, there's no question that the Predators have that. And as much as everybody kind of whispered about trading UC Soros, that is such a key component to this that 
if you're really looking to get back in the playoffs, if the Nashville Predators are looking at a reset and not a long-term rebuild, you, you've got to keep that elite goaltending. I think the debate is, okay, well, if you're not going to win right now, then trade UC Soros and find somebody that you can develop into, you know, two spots instead of just one. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, wishful thinking in a lot of cases, because we often don't see that completely happen. To me, and the biggest thing for this Nashville Predators team, and maybe the biggest reason for their, you know, quote unquote, midness, Mm-hmm. over some of their history is where is that elite center let's go and yeah. where is that elite winger yeah and it's it, that's that's the biggest hole and that's something you know every stanley cup team that has won in you know over the past decade you look at somebody that's like that's a center that right now maybe not you know long term but right now this season at this very moment this is a guy who's, you know, easily top six or seven center in the entire NHL. Right. Every team has had that. Yeah. And the Nashville Predators, for whatever reason, you know, they, they tried by trading for Ryan Johansson. They tried developing some guys, drafting, you know, the Colin Wilsons of the world. They tried bringing in Matt Duchesne. And it just, I, I don't know why. And, and Barry Trotz kind of talked about it a little bit in his introductory press conference for whatever reason that has been the one position that has eluded the Nashville Predators in their entire history maybe with the one exception of when Jason Arnett was here Mm, yeah and here's one of the things as you look at that elite center that that you have to have you're talking your Connor McDavid's your Austin Matthews you know your Leon Dreisaitl your Jack Eichel you really come about that in in one of two ways. You either draft that or you buy that. Yeah. It's very I think that it's very difficult to develop that. I think it's one of those things if you're talking about one of the very best players in the world, you look at Connor McDavid. You know, you and I were chatting about Connor McDavid before we started recording. Connor McDavid came in at like 13 years old in the league and was a 30 goal scorer. You know, you have Austin Matthews was a 40 goal scorer at the age of 19. Uh, Steven Stamkos, 28 goal scorers or 28 goal scorer in his first season. And you think you either draft that Connor Bedard, perhaps, or you sell your soul and you go out and buy it. But this is one of those positions where I'm like, can you really develop that? Yeah, I mean, but you can. Like, that's the you thing. When it, when it comes to elite players, like, you can. I mean, you know, the Red Wings have Dylan Larkin, who statistically has always been kind of in the top 10 in terms of, like, goal, you know, goals above replacement, mm-hmm. wins above replacement. And, you know, he was, what, 15th, 16th overall pick in his draft pick. So in, in the Red Wings kind of built him up. And, you know, you kind of see that, you know, even a guy like, you know, in New York, somebody like, you know, Brock Nelson, who you look at him and it's like, okay, it's, it's Brock Nelson. But then you look at his stats and it's like, oh, this is a guy who's like always towards the top in goal scoring, who's always towards the top in goals above replacements. So yeah, like you don't, you may not necessarily have a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid in terms Mm -hmm. of this guy is scoring 
150 points a season and winning the MVP. And he's like the most marketable star, Austin Matthews, somebody else in that category. But you can easily go out and find somebody that's like, okay, you don't think of him as a quote unquote, you know, top of class in the league. Yes. But he's somebody that is always very, very consistently good towards the top and, you know, a lot of key stats. And, you know, maybe the gold child, maybe the poster child for somebody like that, Patrice Bergeron in Boston. Just find, yeah. just find a Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, but then you've got to be able to afford it. And what's interesting is I feel like the Predators did this if you look at Matt Duchesne. I mean, Matt Duchesne came into the league in his first full season. He was a 24-goal scorer. But it's not translating it's not translating. It's And the other thing is, I think when you're talking about this position, part of what makes them elite is consistency. You know, Connor McDavid is consistently good. Austin Matthews, consistently good. Steven Stamkos, consistently good. And I don't know that the Predators, like statistically, you could say Matt Duchesne is maybe this because he has had some seasons like that. But he's also had seasons where he's not that. And so I'm like, yes, how we much? remember the 13-point season. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to stir that pot, but let's talk about what's real. Consistency is part of what you need from an elite top-line center. Or you've got to catch lightning in a bottle and you've got to get that center having his best season while you still have these other components at the same time. So I think it's a real challenge. And yeah. and I'm not sure, like I look at Ryan Johansson. Would you say Ryan Johansson has the potential to be that elite center? Not now. Yeah. I mean, they did when they brought him over. I mean, that was kind of the, the key, but yeah. Then, then the game sort of shifted and yeah, I mean, it's, and it, it's, it's wild. And like, I have never... I, I can't think of a team that has been this devoid of just a top end offensive talent, you know, for yeah. this entire history. I mean, even the Columbus Blue Jackets had Rick Nash, who is mm -hmm. one of the best players in the NHL. The Thrashers had Ilya Kovalchuk and Danny Heatley. And for a while, Marion Hosa, after some of those trades went down. And it's just, you know, I, I can't think of any team that has been immune to the point where the, the Preds are trying like give them credit for, for going sure. out and trying like they went out you know spent eight million dollars a year on Matt Duchesne invested in Ryan Johansson traded away Seth Jones one of their favorite prospects to try to you know get actually that that long elusive number one center and for some reason they come to Nashville and it's just it, it doesn't work out and I, I don't know why. And there are going to be a lot of theories about that. Maybe there's something wrong with this kind of, you know, maybe the locker room culture or something like that, where for some reason, you know, players get here and all of a sudden just fall way below their expectations. Some are going to blame, you know, coaching development. Some are just going to blame, you know, maybe the front office. Them. I don't know. There's a yeah. lot of theories out there. I don't know if we're ever going to get a definitive answer, but it's 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 frustrating and it's noticeable. It is. It is. And you know what? This isn't the only hole that the Nashville Predators need to address. There's a couple of other offensive holes that like 
do the predators have somebody that can jump in now and then we still got to talk about defense you know there's there's some defense that we need to talk about got yossi what else do we got yeah so we're going to dive into that here in just a minute but first want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our great friends at game time look if you are buying tickets to your favorite events and it is stressful trying to get what you want when you want it you know you need to look into our friends at game time Whether you're looking to take in a sporting event, some music, a comedy show, or perhaps just throwing it out there, a little musical theater near you, you can get killer last minute deals with game time and you can stop stressing over tickets, start getting hyped for your event. Game time makes it so easy to find flash and last minute tickets for every kind of event with their easy to use app. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event and the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can get images of your seats and buy tickets just in a matter of seconds. Two taps, your tickets are sent right to your phone and you are ready to go. So go and download the Game Time app, create an account and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked on NHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, and we're talking about the Predators and some of the holes they need to fill uh, in terms of being back towards a contender. There's a lot. Number one center, I feel like, is, is the biggest one yeah. that I think has eluded the Nashville Predators for a long time. Then you go into some of these other ones and it's, you know, a top line center beyond, you know, the elite center. And, you know, that that's one of those things where I think if you get an elite center, then maybe somebody like Ryan Johansson or Matt Duchesne kind of fill in as like a depth guy, you know, kind of like, you know, you look at Taylor Hall in Boston and, you know, playing some of his best hockey, you know, on the second and third line in Boston, um, you know, number one defenseman beyond Roman Yossi, like who's the other guy that you can kind of build around? Who are your guy. other, who are your other top pair defensemen? Yeah. And then who's, you know, forwards, you know, kind of on your you know, second and third lines that could easily be a first round forward on another team. That's, you know, here's, here's my question. Do you mm-hmm. think the Predators have enough? That if they can kind of address the top of their lineup, maybe some of these people fill in the gaps later on. Maybe they fall into a position they're better suited for. I do. I think that is the biggest thing that they need is that elite top line guy. And, you know, you've got Philip Forsberg, you know, you've got Matt Duchesne. We've seen some really great things. If you're looking at like middle six, we've seen some great things from, you know, Yuso Parsonen. We've seen some great things from Tommy Novak and Luke Evangelista. Will that continue? Are they going to be able to continue elevating their game? We're going to have to wait and see. They are going to have to have some really big offseason improvements and impressive training camps. But I think you have enough pieces maybe not for right now but for almost if you can get that top line guy you know forsberg is not nothing philip forsberg is not nothing friends um and you know you look could luke evangelista be something you know i like what we've seen from cody glass obviously we like what we've seen from tommy novak 
but again, it's really hard to bank on those guys that showed so much at the down the end of the stretch because that was a 20-game stretch. You're looking at an 82-game season. You're looking at can you duplicate and replicate that? And I think every Nashville Predators fan has that, dear heavens, we can't always duplicate or replicate, can we? (laughs) So, I, you know, I think there are pieces to draw from. I don't know that the Predators have the pieces that would be ready right now, even if you added that elite top-line center. But they've got some potential. Joachim Kamel. Let's see what let's see what happens with that fella. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's the best way to sum her up. I think the Nashville Predators, when you look at their pipeline and some of the players they played this year, a lot of players that are just really good hockey players that can yeah. develop into really good hockey players. Are there any of them that are going to be among the best players in the NHL? Mm-hmm. That's the question. And you know what? To be clear you don't necessarily have to win with players that are are quote unquote elite. I mean, it certainly helps. Mm -hmm. You just need a bunch of really good hockey players. I mean, look at the Seattle Kraken this year and look what they're doing. And, you know, there's just four lines and three defensive pairs of just really solid hockey players. That to me is where the Nashville Predators, I think that's the first step. Like that to me is the first step in getting back towards contenders. Just pack your roster Mm -hmm. with really, really good hockey players. Like make sure you can roll four lines deep, you know, kind of like the old, the old Barry Trotz teams, you know, where it, you know, you can just roll out any of the lines and you know, they were going to compete, you know, they were going to really give their opponents um, problems when they're on the ice. That to me is the first step. And if the national partners can get there, then I feel like you can take a step back and be like, okay, who's like that one missing piece or, you know, let's look at the top of the lineup. Do we have somebody that is quote unquote elite or somebody that is at least trending in that way? And, you know, maybe at that point, that's when you start, you know, being a buyer in some Mm -hmm. of these NHL markets, maybe you can, you know, do like what the Florida Panthers did for Matthew Kachuk, be like, okay, we got a pretty good team. We got a pretty deep team. Now let's go out and get that one elite player to kind of build around. That's, I feel like if the Nashville Predators, you know, you keep developing Luke Evangelista, you keep developing Cody Glass, Tommy Novak, Joachim Kamel comes up, you know, all these players, if you can develop them, and just, you know, get them to a point where it's like, okay, we have a bunch of really good players on this team. Then you can, I think, maybe take a step back and look at it. Okay, what's the next step for this mm. player? Can we get him to maybe being that 100-point guy every year? Or have a lot of these people kind of reached where we think they're going to be? And if so, now what do we do? And I think so much is a timing question. I think you really hit one of the big things that Barry Trotz is going to have to wrestle with this offseason. You know, he was very clear in the postseason press conference. Look, we've got draft capital. We've got cap space. If there's a big fish out there, it doesn't mean we're going to go after him because we can, because you only need the right guy. And I wonder if this isn't the time to go out and try to get the big fish. Maybe like you say, you need to give this a season or two to see what can, what are we going to surround a quote unquote elite top line guy with 
and then go get him. This may not be the off season to do it, which is a little bit disappointing because again, you've got draft capital and you've got cap space, you know? So it's like so much of how this is going to unfold has to do also with timing. Yeah. I mean, it's, let's say this, you mentioned the drafts capital, you mentioned, you know, the Preds over the next three years really have a lot of extra picks to play with. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though maybe next year's not the year you look at competing, if you're Barry Trotz, if the opportunity arises, do you take a swing this year? Maybe like not unlike what the Devils did when they signed Dougie Hamilton last year. Remember, mm-hmm. you know, they signed him last year. The Devils were one of the worst teams in the NHL. And, yeah. you know, you kind of heard people say later, it's like, look, we're not going to be great this year, but two years from now, that's when we're kind of getting you for. Do you think the Predators have a good enough idea of what they're going to have two seasons from now to to do that investment now? No, but if you do that now, then don't you at least have one person to build around? Yeah. It's very much like, which is the cart that's put before the horse? Do you go out and get this elite person when you've got the capital and the cap space and and go that route or do you need to sit back and see what you have and then go fill that elite hole i think it's going to be a lot for barry trotz to to decide yeah no no you i'm not saying go and start trading prospects to get no. in a, like a 27 year old guy but you know like let's <laughs> yeah. say there there's teams in cap hill you have somebody like alex debrinket who sounds like he may not resign yes. in ottawa yep. if the opportunity arises you know do you go out and try to get somebody like that and that way you know maybe you're you're a step ahead or do you just stockpile those draft picks and go you know what we're not feeling too great about this, or we think we have more holes than, you know, we probably should. Let's just stockpile these draft picks, draft a bunch of players and hope some of them can develop into high end talent. Yeah. And I think it would help if the predators had a better idea of how long-term some of these promising young men are that we saw at the end of the season are going to pan out. Yeah. You know, it would be so much, Crystal ball, anyone? Does anybody have a crystal ball? Because this would make this whole gig so much easier. This would. This would make our jobs a lot easier. Oh my gosh, we would be we'd be killing it. We would be killing it. Uh, <laughs> more predators talk to get to uh, later this week. At the end of the week, we're going to be doing takes from a hat with a number of different topics. One of which I think we've talked a little bit about already, but I'm excited to throw it into the universe. Uh, And then we are going to be starting player reviews soon, too. We're going to look back at some of the highs and lows of a couple Predators players on the roster. Maybe give them some grades and one word to describe their season. That's coming up as well on the Lockdown Predators podcast. And where can people find your work? You can find my work online at InsideThePreds.com. You can find me on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. You can find me at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. Follow the show also LO underscore Predators. And wherever you're listening, subscribe, my friends. That'll do it for today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen of the day. Back tomorrow with an all-new episode. We'll see you then.